I found looking at my finances recently just completely overwhelming and upsetting in a way too because it just feels like I can never get ahead. Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. It is money month this August in New Zealand. I don't know if it is globally or what the situation is, but I know that a lot of people here are doing events and lots of bringing out lots of like resources for money month, which is exciting because we really want to up the financial literacy everywhere. Uh, which of course we do quite often on this podcast and it will be no different today. I thought that to celebrate what is Money Month and what was the start of my money journey um, was working out how actually to sort my finances. As in, okay, I realise I need to learn how to money. So what do I do? What is learning how to money? What do I actually need in order to have a stable foundation for my financial future, for my financial present moment what do I do and I didn't do any of the things that I should have done I went and spent all of my money on crap and that's fine because we all have those we all go on that journey we all have that situation but I thought that it would make some sense for me to go back in time a little bit work out what I should have done what I wish I had done and talk to you guys about it because it's sort of what I've had to do recently after coming back from traveling I was almost starting scratch from financial foundations again not in all aspects still have my investments still have my KiwiSaver but uh, just from a general savings level the whole thing was shot no emergency fund just like yeah there was nothing And I also at that point needed to do like a review of my KiwiSaver and my investments and work out what was going on. And it was very much foundation stages where I was pulling what I had learnt from the podcast over time and trying to get back on a stable track again, which I've kind of thrown off track recently after moving cities, but it's okay because these are all things I want to do and that's why we work towards financial goals, that's why we have emergency funds, that's why we give ourselves these opportunities to do things we want to do through having stable foundations in our finances. Finance is very much overcomplicated. I often have found ever since starting this podcast that we sometimes collectively just really add in extra information that doesn't need to be added in order to explain a topic and this happens a lot with those who have been in the finance industry for a long time know a lot are extremely knowledgeable probably are the ones that should be giving you advice and because they know so much the thing is they know all the little nuances all the little details in between each topic that might be important to know for example if you're explaining what investing is to someone or you're explaining what a share is to someone you could say imagine a house and imagine that house is made of bricks 
Each share in a company is like a brick in a house. It's just a little portion of that house or that company that you own. That's what a share is. But maybe someone who was a lot more knowledgeable would want to go into the little details about, yes, that might be true in some ways, but here are some of the reasons why that isn't true. But then all of those little details end up confusing you. And that's what I find holds so many people back from actually being able to get on top of their finances. Because once all those little nuances are brought up, People are so overwhelmed, they don't even know what to do and they're like, you know what, I can't even be bothered with this, it's too stressful and they won't do anything at all. And that's not what we want to do with this podcast, with this episode, we just want to cover a high level overview. If you are wanting in-depth advice for your own personal situation, you want to make sure you go to someone who can consider your whole personal situation. Of course, as always, this is just general chat and this is going to be my opinion on what I wish I had have done. And I really want to simplify it a bit as I have said. So we're starting with an outline of a few different things and then I'll go into depth into each of them. So overall, if I was to start my finances again, I would focus on KiwiSaver, which is New Zealand's retirement scheme, super in Australia and 401k, I think it is in the US, an emergency fund, stopping using buy now pay laters or having consumer debt and then developing the habit of saving having a plan and investing in funds. Let's start with KiwiSaver or New Zealand's retirement scheme slash superannuation if you're in Australia. What I would have done from the start is first of all gain a bit of an understanding as to what it is. I know now that it's an investment and not a savings account and that's something that would have helped to know from the start so that I could have made sure I was in the correct fund. So being in the right fund within your retirement investing portfolio is going to be the most important choice you make because that's indicative of what your risk profile is, of what your life stage is, what your time horizon is, and as I said, how much risk you can take. If you have the timeline and you're at the stage of life where you can take bigger risks, often you will see more growth over time as well. And that's why if you're younger, if you have time, even if you're older and you are keeping your superannuation or KiwiSaver or your retirement fund locked away and invested, being in a growth fund might be good for you. I'm in a growth fund, I'm in a high growth fund because I'm not planning on taking my KiwiSaver out for at least five years. Some people will say to be more conservative that if you're going going to be in growth or high growth, you don't want to take it out for at least seven to 10 years. It's really going to depend on your personal situation. Sorted.org has really great tools on this. You can find out which fund suits you better. And it's really important to review this like you would any other investing portfolio, any other thing in your life. You want to make sure that it suits your stage of life. I also think I would have contributed more earlier if I could. There was a year where I was contributing 10% to my KiwiSaver and I remember telling my manager that I wanted to make, that I wanted to contribute to 10% and she was like so confused and said, are you sure? Uh, Which is funny, but I said, yes, I'm very much sure I want to contribute 10% of my paycheck. And that really helped grow my KiwiSaver so much. I started KiwiSaver a little bit late. I didn't open my KiwiSaver until three years after I started working. And I found that contributing 10% really helped get give, give me that boost that I needed to kind of make up for the time I had lost initially. So if you are in a financial position where you can contribute more to your KiwiSaver, I would absolutely recommend it if 
one of your main goals is to buy that first home with your KiwiSaver or to take that money out for retirement. Again, it's going to depend on your goals, why you have the money in there, what's important to you. But definitely when I started contributing or upped my contribution rate, I saw a big difference in the amount of money that grew over time. And couple that with being in the right fund, for me a growth fund, it was just great to see yeah, that growth over time. Keep an eye on your performance, like your fund performance and the fees you're paying as well. You can do that through your annual report. Often fees is not something we check or something we look at, but it's something that KiwiSaver providers can charge and can charge quite highly as well. So I'll just look at that compared to other funds. If fees are an important thing to you and you're not getting the value that you're paying for through fees, then you might want to change your provider as well. Because sometimes high fees may mean a higher touch service that you enjoy. Um, For me, I'm really happy with my provider and I pay low fees and that's good for me. You also want to keep an eye on the performance as well. Make sure that your fund is performing. Of course, recently we've seen that with COVID and with the recession, etc., people's KiwiSavers haven't been doing as well. So I wouldn't, you know, base the ability of your fund or your provider on what has happened just recently but we do want to make sure that that is on the up and you are getting the growth from that portfolio so yeah ultimately just get that kiwi saver or that superannuation fund sorted from the get-go it's one of those things that it isn't a set and forget you do want to review it but I don't look at it that much I just enjoy knowing that I'm in the right fund for my life stage I'm contributing still I'm getting the government contribution every year and I'm taking advantage of that scheme and all that it has to offer. And that's really the most important thing to me is that I'm making the most of the resources I'm using to grow my money. The next thing is an emergency fund. Emergency funds are so important. I swear by them because it is money that you have there in case and you always end up needing it. I always end up needing it for anything Like I often forget that each year I get an eye test or, you know, I have these yearly expenses that come up. I might want to get my teeth cleaned and I forget that I really need to get that done and it's a priority, but I haven't prioritized my finances. I'll use my emergency fund for that, which might be slightly controversial because it's supposed to be for an actual emergency, not something you just didn't plan for. But for those big costs that I know I need and that I want to prioritize, I will use that for and I'm happy I have that for it at the time because healthcare is so important if you want to do some retail therapy and you're like fuck this is an emergency I'm so gutted and upset with my life I just need to go and do some retail therapy that's not ideally what you want to spend your emergency fund on but I'm not going to tell you no you just do whatever's within your uh, within your the scope of what you value and what you think you can handle but definitely emergency funds we want to leave them for the big purchases that we may not have been able to afford otherwise at the time because of circumstance or whatever. I like to keep a minimum of $500 in my emergency fund at all times because this will often cover things like a car waff and a few fixes if you need them, as I said, new glasses if I've forgotten about it or the dentist or something like that. $1,000 would be even better, just a quick grand that you can get through selling all of your crap or like just doing whatever you can to get $1,000 in there. 
ideally where we want to be sitting with our emergency fund is having three to six months of expenses in there. Not three to six months of income, but three to six months of expenses. So if we wanted to quit our job and we needed the mental space to just have a month to figure out what we wanted to do, or we were made redundant, or something happened to our income, maybe we were grieving or whatever, and we just want to have some time, that's what an emergency fund is supposed to be there for as well. Trust me, it's going to come in handy. The next thing I would have done from the start is stop using buy now, pay laters, or consumer debt, or debt of any kind. Of course, student debt and mortgages and debt like that is inevitable, I'm talking more about the debt that we could have avoided for consumer purchases like clothes, going out, um, tech items that we could have held off for or saved for, like just, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I think often buy now pay laters can get misconstrued a little bit because people feel like or don't look at them as normal debt. But afterpay is debt, you know, buy now pay laters are all Debt, it's money you're borrowing to pay for something that you're going to have to pay back. If you use it to your advantage, which I know a lot of people do do, and they pay it back on time every time, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I think finances are personal and it's about working out what matters to you, what is going to work within your situation. For me personally, I find it psychologically difficult to live in debt all the time. Even just having my student loan lingering, I don't enjoy. So for me, living in debt and constantly be paying like an afterpay back every week is not something I enjoy. Also any consumer loans like student overdrafts and credit cards, you know, even if they're interest free for this many years or whatever, what it's doing is it's building a habit. You know, even if they're small limits, you're building this habit that you have access to money that you actually don't have access to and you start to live in this habit of continually using that debt. Habits and money are very, very closely interlinked, which leads me to my next point uh, or next thing I would have done if I was starting my finances from scratch is developing the habit of saving realistic amounts consistently. I have had this recently. I'm going to tell you a little story about my own financial woes. So as I sort of mentioned at the start, I moved cities and to be fair this happened long before that let me take it right back to the beginning so when I came back from traveling or just before I got back from traveling I had used all my money and I needed some money for a flight home I did have access to a pool of money but that pool of money was for taxes the taxes I pay for my business so I work for myself as a freelancer I have to pay all my own taxes, which means I collect all my own taxes and I keep that in an account that is stupidly, I really should change this, readily available for me to transfer out of if I was to ever need. And so at the end of my travels, I decided to use some money from this account. I am still indebted to that money and more within that account because this tends to happen with debt. And luckily in this case, I'm in debt with myself so there's no interest cost and there isn't an urgency on paying it back necessarily either but it's just one of those things again that's psychologically lingering around. But when you get into debt it's like this cycle where you are already in debt, you're trying to pay yourself back but then because you're trying to pay yourself back with money that would typically be used for something else you then end up having to take money back out again 
And you end up in this cycle where you're putting money in, taking money out, and you're never really getting that ahead. And it's super stressful. Like I found looking at my finances recently just completely overwhelming and upsetting in a way too because it just feels like I can never get ahead even though I'm actually doing fine and I'll speak to why I'm why this has been getting me down in a second but I've just been really struggling and I think one of the main reasons I've been struggling with getting ahead of this tax money that I've stolen for myself and used for other things is because I will try to pay back unrealistic amounts every month because as I said I find it quite psychologically difficult to be in debt I'll try and pay myself back double what is just like a normal monthly amount to pay myself back so say I want to pay $500 back into this account each month I'll just try my hardest to pay $1,500 but then of course an extra grand takes away from food or any other expenses I have from the week even just like living fun activities money or whatever and so then I end up taking money back out I feel guilty and horrible about myself but I also at the same time need to take the money out especially if it's for groceries or something and then I'm in this continuous cycle of never getting ahead and it's all because I'm not developing the habit of saving realistic amounts consistently if I had just cut back that amount yes I wouldn't be getting to that goal for a longer amount of time it would take me way longer I'd be slower in in getting that money back to where it was but I'd at least be able to keep a lifestyle that makes me happy I wouldn't be upset frustrated or worried every time I looked at my budget I would know that I'm making slow but steady progress towards my goals, which is within my values anyway. I think it just worries me that if I don't pay this money back soon, I something's going to happen, even though it's the money is just there for the following year's tax. There's actually no urgency about paying it back. I mean, within a year is fine, but I'm at the moment there's no time urgency. But as I said, psychologically I can't handle it and that's why I'm struggling. I know that about myself, yet I still put myself in this position. And so how I'm going to change that now is I'm just going to start putting realistic amounts into this account each month, even though it pains me because I just want to get it gone fast. It's not realistic for me to do that. And it's not realistic for me to do that and be happy at the same time and not stressing out. So developing the habit of saving realistic amounts consistently is going to be a great way to avoid panic buying and panic saving as well, which is I think I'm more of a panic saver. I just think, oh shit, I need to get all of my money in there now and leave myself with zero. And I think I can live off zero dollars for the next two weeks. And it's just, it's completely unrealistic. Things come up that I want to prioritize and I can't. And again, end up taking money out. Vicious cycle of feeling terrible about myself. Saving consistently over time is going to beat saving sporadically because even if it's $5 a week, you have that sense of empowerment, that sense of ownership over your finances and you know you're contributing to a goal that you care about. You're also then used to contributing, which means when you do save, it isn't upsetting or depressing because it's already been a consistent habit that you do anyway. And as you grow your money, your savings grows with you. Whereas if you are someone that will save just sporadically, if you got if you won 10 grand tomorrow, what's to say that you would save any of that if you were just spending it week to week, month to month? Whereas if you're someone who's already used to the habit of saving, you might be more likely, more willing to put money into a savings account from that because it's a habit that you've already built, something that you're already used to, you're happy with it. In my opinion, 
having a stable financial situation isn't about saving heaps and heaps and heaps. It's about saving consistently. It's about saving sustainably and having a sustainable long-term approach to your money. Having a long-term approach means having a plan. And that's our next point is about having a plan. Whenever someone says financial plan, I always think, yeah, yeah, like whatever, because it's quite hard to put together a financial plan if you've never done it before or don't know what you're doing or it sounds intimidating, like what's a financial plan? How do we even start with that? Okay, it doesn't need to be as big as it sounds. A plan can just be a goal. It can just be a why. It can just be a purpose for saving. In fact, that's probably the most important thing is why are you saving at all? Like why not just live paycheck to paycheck? Is it important to you to save because of a goal you have close to your heart that's important? Or is it important to you to save Because that's what you think you should be doing. Because if it's what you think you should be doing, it's not going to be motivating enough for you to keep it going, for you to sustainably save and invest over time. It's just not going to be motivating. Because it's not your goal. It's someone else's goal. It's a goal that's been pushed on you. So you need to find a goal that matters to you, something you value and want to prioritize. What is that thing for you? Is it buying a house? Is it traveling? Is it retirement? Is it paying off your parents' mortgage? Is it getting a dog? Like what is the thing for you that is going to help guide and motivate and inspire the rest of your financial plan? Because you can still contribute to retirement and other maybe like boring stuff, but the goals that you care about that are exciting to you are the things that are going to keep you engaged and locked in with your finances. For me, I have a few trips coming up, so I kind of base my savings plan at the moment around travel but I always have a big focus on retirement overall funnily enough I don't ever really have a home deposit goal or focus mostly because I think if it comes to that I'll just use a portion of what I'm saving for retirement anyway but I kind of find it easy to look at my financial plan in terms of short-term goals what's coming up what travel do I want to do and what kind of life do I want to live when I shouldn't be worrying about money or don't want to be working anymore or whatever and looking at the things I can optimize as we spoke about in the beginning for KiwiSaver in order to do that like investing which we'll talk about later. So have the things that matter to you because short-term goals are really really motivating. We do want to be thinking long-term but using the tools that we have like our short-term goals to get us there to motivate us. So you've got your goal Okay, cool. That's like the centerpiece to your financial plan. I've actually got a full episode on how to build a financial plan. I'll drop it below or you can just search financial plan one up. But you've got your purpose. That's the main trunk of the tree. And then what are the branches that come off the tree? What high interest bank accounts do we have set up for our medium term savings or possibly shorter term savings, maybe six months plus? What investing accounts do we have set up for our long, long term savings? And how is that all going to work in the background? So for me, money comes in, automatic payments to everything go out, different accounts split up for lifestyle or rent or other various expenses, household expenses that come under that. Do it in a way that makes sense to you. There's lots of methods like the barefoot investor method, the 50-30-20, the zero-based budget method, but pick something that's going to matter and make sense to you. For me, I just find it easy to go to break it up into like a spending and expenses account. Individual expense accounts can also be helpful too. It just really depends on what kind of person you are 
and how much oversight you like of your money as well. And then you just let it run, you know. It should really be, again, not a set and forget, but something that works for you. You know, you have your money, you pay yourself each week or each month with the amount that you have to spend. And you can spend that on whatever you want. Have that freedom with some of your money, you know. Give yourself some play money. You can go and get a coffee if you want. You can go and buy a new jumper if you want. You can do the things you want with the money you've set aside for yourself. And I know that's not always possible with the cost of living crisis. And I do want to give that a quick mention because I don't think I really have that. Not all of these things are going to be possible, especially in this time. Rising costs, inflation, recession, etc. We've heard it all before. You don't need me to say it another time. But do what makes sense for you in the stage that you're at. The final thing I would have started on once I'd done all the rest of that is investing in funds. And I've said in funds for a reason because I'm not a a trader and we'll talk about that in a second. But investing should ultimately be, and for me it definitely was, the last thing you do. This is because investing is an optimization of an already solid and working financial plan. Same thing with high interest bank accounts or you know getting smart with the type of bank accounts you're using in order to earn. These types of things are optimizations on an already working financial routine, habits that are already built in, automatic payments that work, something that is already working in the background. We want to optimize it. Once saving is a realistic and an easy thing for you, you know each month money comes in money goes out into savings investing is something you can consider it's also important to only consider investing once all your debt or at least your consumer debt is gone and your emergency funds are in place so when I say your consumer debt I'm talking about the interest earning debt and afterpay as well just because I think it's a good rule of practice but the reason that we want interest bearing debt to be gone is because if you are spending if you have debt where the interest cost is higher than the returns you're getting on your investments you're actually losing money so you're better off to put all your money instead of to investing towards your debt pay that off get your interest cost down and then go back to investing Often with mortgages, the common debate is pay down your mortgage or, or invest. And there's a few calculations you can do to work out what actually makes sense there. I think Sorted.org or Money Hub might have some good resources on it. So that one you want to get a little bit tricky with the math and be like, okay, is the interest I'm paying on my mortgage lower than the returns I will get with my investing portfolio? If so, like I'm making that little bit of money in between. I know some financial advisors will advise against or for that depending on a personal situation as well. So once again, this is just what I've learned over time. Do not take this as gospel. I don't have a mortgage and haven't done it myself. We also want to make sure that we only invest once debt is gone and once we have an emergency fund in place because even though often small, investing still comes with a risk. You're still investing in something with the hopes that it will increase in value. It's not as risky as betting your money in a casino, but it's definitely riskier than saving money in a bank account. Either way, investing comes with some risk. You might see your money go down, you might see it go up. You don't want to rely on that money as a source of income for you in the now when you're just at the beginning of your investing journey. You still want to have your normal income, of course, and you still want to have an emergency fund in, in place in case. I invest for long-term growth. This is the most sustainable way to invest and the way I choose to invest. I invest in funds because they're instantly diversified 
and usually offer more stable returns over the long term with lower fees as well. I find it to be the most sustainable way to invest. And I'm, as I was saying, I'm not massively interested in trading or betting my money or even just looking at my investing accounts. I don't really want to know. I just want to know that it's working in the background for me in a way that makes sense for my life stage, just as my KiwiSaver would as well. And then I can come back and review that portfolio and make sure it's still sedate, it still matches that stage of life every quarter, probably every year to be honest for me, but around every quarter, every six months, every year, somewhere around there just to make sure that you're still investing aligned with your goals, with your life stage, with your risk profile, your timeline. A podcast guest said, why would you want to get rich quick when you can get rich for certain? Um, basically saying that there are slower but much more guaranteed ways to grow your wealth as opposed to trying to get rich quick. Investing being one of them, dollar cost averaging, small consistent amounts over time, that is what we do to keep a long-term sustainable investing and saving strategy. So four things to think about before we go. Don't be afraid to start small. It's totally all good if you're saving an overly realistic amount at the beginning. I think even better. Feel ownership of your financial situation. Increase your amounts as you become more consistent in your habits. So as you feel like things are easy and you're on top of it, try and add a little bit more in each time. Build some emotion around your why. Like why is it important to you? Connect the people who matter to you and to that goal. That's because every time you go in to spend money somewhere where maybe you shouldn't, you'll think, does this align with the value of these people in that thing? Am I doing right by my goal, by my why? Does it align with what I want for myself? And lastly, be patient. You won't get rich overnight and you shouldn't. I mean, if you can, that's great. But I know for the majority of us, it just won't be the case. And that is totally fine because there are other proven great methods of growing your wealth growing your money over time there will be times where it gets stressful yesterday I had a moment with my budget where I went for a walk with my flatmate on the beach and I was not in a good mood because I'd done that and it just had put a downer on my day but then afterwards I was fine and I got on with it but it's just one of those things that can often be overwhelming and don't worry if that is the case for you it is the case for so many of us and if we opened up these conversations about money more, maybe everyone else would feel less stressed about it and know that we're all in the same boat. But you don't want to procrastinate these things either. I used to refer to it as it's like a bell curve. Money, dealing with your money is like a bell curve. It's super, super hard on the way up. It's like a vertical incline. It's so hard to get to the top. You're struggling, struggling, struggling. You finally get to the even bit. And as you roll over and make the decision to actually check your finances that's where things get easier they become clearer and you realize it wasn't as bad as you thought or at least if it is bad you have a plan to move past it ignorance is bliss until it's not and with finances it's one of those things where I don't like to apply the ignorance is bliss mentality I'll apply it in literally any other situation but finances is not the one you want to apply it to let me know what your financial routine is how would you ideally start now or start again have I missed anything most definitely I have once again I'm not a financial advisor this is just my thoughts and how I started again recently after traveling you know financial literacy really is so important because I came back and I was like okay good I know what to do I may feel like I'm in the shit right now but I know what I need to do to get back on top of things and I feel confident and I feel empowered I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon and happy money month bye guys 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there. Just a quick disclaimer that The One Up Project is an educational platform that provides information that is general in nature. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information within this resource at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any decisions based on the information in this resource. I'm not a financial advisor and if you require expert advice, then please seek advice from a professional.